Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Mupti's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on Hideki Matsuyama's historic Masters victory and discuss all the fallout from Augusta National. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf and the most played golf ball at the Masters, with 68% of the field putting one in play at Augusta National last week. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hey, Tom. Yeah, I'm good. Feeling quite fresh now after a couple of coffees, but yeah, been a few late nights watching the action from Augusta National. Yes, I, I think I need another coffee because I'm feeling a bit jaded, to be honest with you. But um, really enjoyed the last week or so. It's, it's, it is a bit weird. It feels like you've... It feels like... I know, you haven't been to Las Vegas, have you? Never been to America. Oh, blimey. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But um, <laughs> it feels like I've had a lad's holiday away for a week and it's the day after I've landed and I just feel a bit jaded and a bit knackered. And I feel like I've been drinking too much, even though I haven't been drinking anything. But um, it's uh, no, it was a really good week, wasn't it, Augusta? I really enjoyed it. I thought the golf course looked about as good as I've, I've ever seen it. And I think Hideki Matsuyama is a fabulous Masters champion. How did you enjoy your week? Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Um, yeah, I thought the course looked absolutely stunning. Uh, I've never seen the greens look so brown, which was uh, really good. It, it looked really difficult. Yeah, Hideki is a, a very worthy winner. We've sort of fancied him for majors for a long time now, and he's he's sort of been away for the last couple of years because he's really seemed like he struggled with putting because his his long game's always been fantastic. And um, yeah, it just feels like a massive moment for for the game in Japan. Obviously, we know how how much that country loves golf and, and respects the game. And um, yeah, just just really proud for Hideki because I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've all been quite big fans of Hideki because we've seen how talented he he was. Um, and he, as you're right, you say he's not been playing great for the last couple of years, and that's why he kind of goes under. He kind of went under the radar. You know, we always say, "Oh, Rory's going under the radar," but when you say that about someone before a tournament, that means that they're not going under the radar. But no, I didn't hear anybody really mentioning Hideki before Augusta. So before we go further, well, let's recap on what happened. So Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters, uh, finished at 10 under to beat Will Zalatoris by one. I'm not sure that was a sentence I was expecting to say or even mention either of those people um, when we were talking about uh, the Masters last week. Uh, but it was Matsuyama's first major title. It was the first ever Japanese Masters winner, his first ever Japanese male major winner. Um, and he's got, as we said, he's got some history. He was the low amateur at Augusta in 2011. And he's back up to now world number 14. Uh, he's, that was his sixth PJ Tour victory after two WGC wins. Um, and, and do you think, you know, is this going to open the floodgates for Matsuyama now? Yeah, I would hope so. Because when he puts like that, he is um, one of the very best players in the world. He's reached number two before. Um I did think a while ago that he was going to be world number one and um, 
yeah, he's he's just been really off the boil on the green. So to see him putt like that, well, to be honest, was a bit of a surprise. But yeah, he's got the game. He's got uh, that competitive edge. I think he won the Japan Golf Tour Order of Merit in his first season. A really prolific winner uh, over there. A prolific winner as an amateur. Won massive events on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's still only 29 as well. So um, yeah, I, I could definitely see him win more majors. And um, I would love to see it as well. Let's, let's and let's remember. I know he's he's gone a bit quiet over the last couple of years. And for some people who may be new to golf or don't follow the tours really that closely, may not know that much about him. But let's remember, he was world number two at one point. Uh, he won the WGC Bridgestone Invitational in 2017, where he shot 61 in the final round. You know, he is a seriously talented golfer, and it's just strange that since then, since 2017, he hasn't won. He hasn't won until. Um, the Masters yesterday, and even looking at his form this season, no top tens from eleven events played. You know, played pretty solid, but but pretty, you know, unspectacular really. So, it's he's always someone that we I think has always been considered someone who capable of conquering Augusta, but this year just I don't think he was he was fancied that well. As we mentioned earlier, he was a low amateur in twenty eleven, and he now joins a a, a list of. Very few people who have been low amateur and also been Masters winner. Can you name any of them, Elia? Um, Sergio, Tiger. Um, I don't know. Jack Nicholas, maybe? Some yeah. other legends. Mickelson. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I think there's only about seven or eight names. So it's, um, you know, a, a, it's a list which is, you know, now he's on that and he, he, he's, he's made history here, hasn't he? And he is already such a huge superstar over in japan he's just going to be bigger and bigger he's going to be now one of the biggest sports people around he's going to of course qualify and be playing in the olympics in japan in just a couple of months time uh, where of course it is a golf tournament as well um the crowds are going to be huge for that now aren't they yeah if they're allowing crowds which hopefully they will because i think japan i've read is going through a fourth wave of covid so that doesn't sound very good but then um what is it like four months away so uh, plenty of time for for the virus to to go away a little bit hopefully um but yeah we've said on this podcast before about the zozo championship in 2019 when um japan hosted on the pga tour for the first time uh, i don't know if it was first time ever or first time in a long time anyway and, and the crowds were absolutely amazing um golf is a, a huge sport out there and they've got i think like the eight tier driving ranges and stuff and um there's been some phenomenal Japanese players in history. So, yeah, it's going to be an amazing Olympics. Hopefully, if um, more players don't pull out, because obviously DJ's pulled out already and, and um, we want it to be as good as possible. But you would have to say Hideki would be uh, one of the favourites for the gold medal because I think he was second at the Zozo. Was It, it wasn't on the same course, but it was um, in Japan, obviously. And he won his Asian amateurs at Kasuma Gazeki, which is what the course is, I believe. So. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see him win a gold. Yeah, and uh, you're right. I mean, Olympics are, are always great events, but it's, um, Olympics are great events when the home nation is doing well and when the home nation's got a chance of, of winning a medal. You know, I'm talking about uh, athletics and stuff like that. But for the golf, um, last last time out when it was in Brazil, there were, although there were some Brazilian golfers there, they, they didn't really have a feature and they obviously weren't very well fancied to do well. So um, Matsuyama will no doubt start as pretty much favourite 
for that event. And um, I think they're going to be very, very excited about that. And I think the crowds, which I think they are going to, at the moment, the plan is, although, as you say, no one really knows what's happening from week to week. Although there's no, not going to be any international fans, I think there will be home home fans there. So that could be really, really exciting and really great great viewing. So be interested to see what happens. And we're going to actually hear now from Hideki in his uh, post-Masters uh, interview. Uh, he discusses inspiring the next generation of Japanese golfers as well as the potential for lighting the Olympic flame and winning gold at Tokyo. So um, obviously he doesn't speak great English, so a lot of the, what you'll hear will be from his translator. But here is the post-Masters press conference. そうですね。まあ、それは一概には言えないですけど、うん、まあこのメジャーを勝ったということでは誰もいなかったので、そういう意味では一番になったんじゃないかなと思ってます。You do you realize how big of a hero you are to young kids all around the world, especially to those who are in Japan waking up to you wearing a jacket? How does that make you? え、勝ったことで今ね、テレビを見ている子供たちがまあ、5年後、10年後ね、ここの舞台に立ってえ、その子たちとまあトップにトップで争えることができたらすごく幸せですし、まあ、そのためにはまだまだ僕もこれから先
playing on your home soil? それはどうかわからないですけど、まあまずオリンピックはちゃんと開催されて開催されるんだったら、まあ当然そうやって狙いたいと思いますけど、まあ今日の経験は絶対にこれから先の人生必ずプラスになると思うんで、まあ良かったなと思ってます。Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Olympic Games in Tokyo.、Um, if if I am on the team and maybe it looks like I will be. Um, um, I'll do my best to、uh, represent my country and uh, uh, hopefully I'll play well. So there you go. That was the press conference. A few little bits there. And it's, it's tough there, Deke. I, feel, I actually feel quite sorry for him. I know he doesn't speak great English. I think he speaks probably a little bit more than he, he lets on. So the press conferences are not the most engaging of experiences, but you can get kind of what he's, he wants to do and he, how. I think how happy he is to now really, he will be inspiring people. He will be inspiring people in Japan to go and play golf or, or to push further to sh- and show what they can do, won't he? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he's going to be a national icon. And as well, going back to the Olympics, what he's done essentially is raise the profile of golf in the Olympics already. Like we're talking about Olympics the day after the biggest golf tournament of the year. So, Yeah, like you were saying with the home hopes and stuff, I think it's really good. And, and a lot of people at the top end of the game are probably thinking, oh, wow, Hideki's just won the Masters. The Olympics is going to be on my schedule now, <laughs> if they weren't thinking that already. Yeah.、Um, and every time there is an Olympics, there's usually someone who is the face of the Olympics, you know, one particular athlete who, you know, is a home favourite.、Um, and it's probably going to be Hideki now, isn't it?、Um, I know they've got plenty of. Other fantastic sports、uh, men and women out there, but、uh, Hideki is going to be the, the big, big name, isn't he? Yeah, you're probably right, actually. I, I can't really think of any other Japanese sports stars off the top of my head.、Uh, I don't know how many gold medals they won last out, out in Rio, but yeah, you would have to think Hideki is going to be one of the biggest stars there. Yeah, absolutely. So,、um, congratulations to him. I think we're all pr- pr- pretty. Happy that he's he's won, although I didn't have any money on him. But Elliot, you did mention him in the podcast last week, didn't you? Yeah, of course I did.、Um, yeah, you know, I've been a massive fan of Hideki's for a long time. You know, he,、uh, he's one of the best ball strikers in the game. I did say about his putting needs to warm up, and his putting certainly did need to warm up. Yeah, I got him at 33 to 1, one pound each way. So hopefully, you guys listening、um, today may be stuck a little bit more than a pound each way on him. One of my,、uh, in my, one of my many WhatsApp groups I have, which is my fantasy football WhatsApp group,、uh, one of the guys on there, actually, who is an avid listener of the podcast, said, Did Elliot tick,、uh, tip Hideki? I was like, Oh, I can't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> so I completely、uh, shot you down over the weekend, but、um, well, well done for doing that. Yeah,、uh, I did also pick John Rahm, who was fifth. So a、um, couple of good picks there from myself, I have to say. Well done. Who did I pick? Uh, Patrick Reed, top 10.、Uh, Victor Perez. Victor Perez out with the washing. So, <laughs>、um, yeah, you know, it was tricky. It was tricky, wasn't it? I must、um, say,、um, sorry, I was, I was really keen on picking Bernard Langer as well. I thought the firm and fast conditions would have really helped. But Jose Maria Olazabal was, was sort of the star, wasn't he, from those past champions? Yeah, he was. He played very well. So,、um, and let's talk about some of the other people who, who did very well.、Uh, Will Zalatoris, second. In his debut Masters, up to 27th in the world now. He's still not a PJ Tour member. Hell of a story, isn't it? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. 
I really thought he was going to fall away quite catastrophically on Sunday, especially after he started birdie birdie. Um, but yeah, he does seem a bit like the real deal, doesn't he? Like kind of in that Spieth Thomas vein. Uh, I know he grew up playing golf with Spieth, and yeah, he looks the staff of the future. He's got a fantastic attitude as well. You were saying. What's it like? If I'm stupid enough to think I can get here, then I'm stupid enough to think I can win. And um, yeah, he, he didn't really seem overawed by the occasion. He seemed to keep attacking, keep backing himself. And um, uh, yeah, I fancy him to actually make the Ryder Cup team this year, which if he doesn't win a golf tournament by then, he would be on the Ryder Cup team as a Corn Ferry Tour member, which is, uh, yeah, just in- incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So let's hear from Will Zalatoris now. The uh, American discusses his week. I've wanted to be on the stage for forever, you know, for basically my entire life. So I think if anything, you know, it's like you finally get to this moment and why shy away now? I've gotten here. So, you know, let's go do some damage. And it was a fun week. I can play with the best players in the world. And, you know, I felt that I played well this week, but, you know, I felt like I left a lot out there. So, you know, the first one's coming. I just got to keep plotting. And obviously, you know, for my first time to really be in contention to be at the Masters is pretty special. So, as you said, Elliot, that was Will Zalatoris. And he's not on the PJ Tour yet, even though he's 27th in the world. As you said, you mentioned his attitude. He was very relaxed, wasn't he? And, you know, you'd think... He was one shot away from forcing a playoff, and he he said he felt like he left a lot out there. Um, so what what next for him? I know he's playing this week for for starters, but um, he's going to get a lot of attention now. Is that, is that going to be hard for him to keep this relaxed attitude with the amount of attention that he's going to get? No, I don't think so. Uh, he's just finished second at the Masters in his debut, so I don't really think it's going to be much more pressurised than that. Um, you would have to say that he's going to go and win tournaments this year because um, for those who don't know, he finished tied sixth at the US Open last year, I think. And that's kind of how he got his start on the PGA Tour. And he basically hasn't looked back. He's sort of finished top 25, top 10 every week since, basically. And um, just showing that I think he was outside the world's top 1,500 a couple of years ago. So clearly he's found something with his game the last year. He's found some confidence. And yeah. I, I just I don't know why I keep comparing him to Spieth and Thomas. Maybe it's because he's quite skinny like Thomas and he grew up playing with Spieth, but he he does seem like he could kind of really break out and go and win sort of three or four times a year like those guys did a few years ago. He He's ridiculously skinny. And my favourite bit of commentary from the weekend was Butch Harmon, who described him, he's so thin, he's like a one iron without a grip on it. So that was that was my favourite uh, description that he uh, of Zalatoris. Who I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd I'd seen him, but I hadn't really watched him play multiple holes before. And he's got he's got a really solid game, hasn't he? I mean, he plays very well, hits it a long way, and he was just he just a lot of confidence. Just he had confidence in his own game, which is great to see. And you wish some other people out there um, would have that confidence as well, because there was some of the bigger names did fall away badly, didn't they? You felt that if people had put in a charge and put some pressure on, they could have really won that. Spieth playing so well, obviously won the week before. He, he's going to be happy again with a fifth, but he could have won that, couldn't he? If he shot 65, he probably would have won the event. And he's putting them down. Justin Thomas, two years in a row, been right in position and then had a horrendous Saturday. He, he What did he have, an eight on... 13, is that right? Yeah, he had about 70 yards in with a little 
wedge and he dunked it straight into Ray's Creek. Yeah, it's just it's th- th- these mistakes which he doesn't seem to do in normal PJ Tour events. If that had been a normal PJ Tour event, you would have thought he would have been right up there all the way through. I think the person who I felt a bit sorry for, who I thought played very, very well, was John Rahm. Uh, you know, turned up only a few hours really before the first tea time, having just had a you know the birth of his of his first child. Obviously, he'd he'd had a hell of a week to even get there. But shot three rounds of seventy two, and then shot the really round of the day yesterday um, to finish in the top five. So um, he's someone I think can take a lot of heart, and I think he played as well as he could have done. But I think there's a lot of other people who'll be looking at the game going, what happened? You know, DJ missed the cut. Rory missed the cut again. Uh, Bryson. I mean, Bryson was all over the shot, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what was going on with Bryson at all, to be honest. I know I um, picked him, didn't I? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just all over the place. And he's he's starting to maybe get it in his head a little bit now that he can't get it round Augusta, especially after calling it a 67 or a par 67. I mean, come on, at least at least break par like every day or something. But uh, yeah, he was just all over the place. Yeah, he, he had a decent round on Friday to, to help make the cut. But it, it shows when the course is playing like fast and fiery as it was, and it was very tricky in those first few days in particular, that he's... His game of trying to overpower everything, it doesn't work around there, does it? You know, it's 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 kind of these mis- misnomers about, oh, you've got to drive really well and putt really well. Actually, it's not that. It's about hitting it in the right place around the greens. And he's not doing that, is he? Uh, he's not close. He's putting himself in trouble so often um, that he, he's never going to shoot four good rounds around there, is he, in a row? So I think Bryce has got a lot to, to look at. And um, I think Augusta... So far, has uh, is ahead quite heftily on points against Bryson, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But, um, just think of the RBC Heritage this week, actually. I remember, I think he finished tied fourth there in his, his debut as a pro. So he's, he's not even been a professional for five years yet, which is ridiculous if you think about it like that. So, um, yeah, he's going to have lots of chances to, to win there. Um, you are right about the green zone and it, he does constantly speak about improving his wedge game and that's clearly what he needs to do if he wants to, well, at least win a, win a Masters but get to world number one as well, which I think he's capable of. But uh, yeah, an amazing drive down 18. I think I'll give him credit for that. Drove it 374 yards, carried the second bunker. Um, I've never seen anyone anywhere close to that before. Yeah, I mean, but it, it sparks like that. Is what we hope, you know, he's hanging his hat on to, and you know, well done for driving it well on the 18th hole and the 72nd hole on the Sunday, whatever. But <laughs> there's a lot of mistakes before that that's going on, and you know, they're user errors, aren't they? You know, he's putting himself in really tricky situations from time to time. I mean, Matsuyama, let's face it, he tried to overpower 13 on Sunday, and he got very lucky, didn't he? He clattered in the trees, got a good break, and then hooked his second where he probably could have just laid up and wedged on and that could have easily found a lot of trouble so you know i think sometimes people have got to realize that there's a time to attack and there's a time to uh to take it easy let's all remember zach johnson won round there you know and he didn't go for a, a par five in two on any of the days and 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 shot very well around there so um let's talk about some brits then one well actually two in the top 12 
Justin Rose uh, was the big story. Shot 65, amazing 65 on that on that Thursday. Um, two over through seven holes, then nine nine under through 11. That was probably the round of the week, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd go as far as saying it was the round of round of the year. Uh, absolutely incredible goal from Justin, and that's kind of when you thought, oh, maybe he's back. Maybe he's back. So we've um, wouldn't say we've forgotten about him, but we sort of written him off a little bit the last couple of years when he got to world number one and changed equipment and um, struggled with his back and stuff. And you thought maybe he's had his time and he's, he's missed his opportunity. But yeah, I think he showed a lot of good stuff this week. Albeit, it really did remind me of the 2019 US Open at Pebble Beach, where he was up there after the first day and was just really struggling with his game the whole time. So, uh, yeah, Rose, who was known for having a fantastic driving and, and iron game, just it just wasn't there, was it? Missing so many greens, hit some really poor shots. And, um, yeah, he was just trying to get around with his putter, which uh, you, you can't really do, Augusta. You need to find the fairways, you need to find the greens. And, uh, unfortunately, he just didn't play well enough. Yeah, and it is, isn't it weird that things have changed? Because Rose is... That was always his Achilles heel, was his putting. Yeah. His, his long game was fantastic and his putting what let him down. Um, a bit like, it's a bit strange, a bit like Lee Westwood as well. And Lee Westwood's, you know, suddenly turned into a very good putter. Been fant- he's had a fantastic putting um, putting year so far. Um, and Rose was keeping, you know, keeping in touch for the, you know, from Friday, Saturday because of his putter. Saturday, he played absolutely dreadfully how he shot 72 i have no no idea he got up and down loads of times and you thought oh you know what he's still in this he's what, what was he second he was four back now he's right in this if he has a good good sunday if he can put a, together another round of 65 then you know he would have but well, he would have won but it just again it just didn't seem to to happen for him on the sunday and um you know, there's only going to be so many chances now for Rose, isn't it? I think it's good that he's gone back to his old coach. He's back with Sean Foley, isn't he? I think that shows that, you know, he's already having a bit of an effect on him and showing some spark. So um, I think Rose could still have a very good year. Yeah, I'd hope so. Not even in the Ryder Cup team at the moment. So that's helped him get back. Not in the Olympics either to defend his gold medal. So hopefully that will help him climb the rankings a little bit i haven't actually checked where he is in the world at the moment i'm, but... I'm just checking right as, as you as you uh, were talking there he's now up to 39th in the world uh which he was the week before as well so he's not actually moved anyway re- anywhere really actually sorry that wasn't the week before that was when he last played which was about five weeks ago anyway so um you know he, he really wants to concentrate on the majors doesn't he and he continues to say that he actually said that um to tv afterwards as well that he really likes concentrating he feels like the masters is where the season starts so he could have a very good very strong strong year he's going to need to improve his ranking obviously if he wants to go and uh, defend his uh Olympic medal, but he's got a chance. You know, if he's in the top four in the world, you've got a chance. He's still in every tournament and um, he could do well. Um, one other Brit that we obviously need to talk about and is Robert McIntyre from Scotland. His first Masters appearance, he finished tied 12, which means he books a return trip next year. And McIntyre, I thought, was very impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, really, really good. Just obviously, Zalatoris was head and shoulders the, the best rookie of the week. and First rookie since 82, actually, to finish second. I think that's the stat I saw. But McIntyre was was absolutely fantastic in his debut. Um, 
yeah, just just brilliant. Augusta's obviously been a, a happy place for left-handers and <laughs> could he go and win a green jacket one day? It would be incredible, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, he, he played really good and um, just keeps getting better, you think? Like, no matter what the stage is, he, he's starting to perform now week in, week out. He, he beat DJ, didn't he, a, a couple of weeks ago at the match play? Uh, well inside the world's top 50 now. And uh, nothing seems to phase him either. So looking forward to, to watching him improve. Yeah, and I think the thing which is most impressive about Robert McIntyre is he just takes everything in his stride, doesn't he? I mean, he's got a, a face like he's chewing on a on a wasp, hasn't he? You know, he always looks a bit too serious. But <laughs> and I never know if he's actually enjoying it or not. But it's quite clear when you when you, you saw him being interviewed, and we'll we'll hear from him soon. Um, actually he really did enjoy the week and he was very he felt I think quite comfortable uh, in the field um you know he shot four rounds he didn't break 70 but he shot 74 70 70 72 uh, and he had to bur- he birdied 18 on Sunday to get him to 12 which means he, he gets an automatic uh, invite back next year which is, is huge it's amazing to have that you know already lined up he's of course already in the top 50 in the world anyway so he should he would have been qualifying anyway but it just helps as well um and I always the reason I've always quite liked Robert McIntyre and do you know why why I've always liked Robert McIntyre uh, Elliot, what was the story which we all suddenly thought, oh, well, he's a good lad? Can you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. Was it uh, Port Rush where he called out Kyle Stanley for not shouting for? Exactly. So, um, and didn't it hit someone as well? Yeah, I think he might have hit McIntyre's mum or something. Or I can't. It was somebody's parent, I would say. Yeah, he wasn't very, and you know, he was obviously a youngster. I mean, Robert McIntyre's not very old anyway. But this was a couple of years ago, and, you know, He's playing with a tour pro. Sometimes you see something and go, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't really, you know, I'm not, this is my first open or whatever. Um, but actually, no, he, he called it out. And I think that straight away showed the kind of character that he has. He tries to do things in the right way, plays golf in the right way. I think he was very, very impressive. And um, let's hear from him now. So this was his interview after he played his... Uh, Final round at the Masters yesterday, and he had confirmed that he'd booked a return trip next year. I mean, this is this is a place you want to be competing every year, and my first time this year, and um, obviously put up a decent fight. But once you come here, you don't want to miss another one. And I mean, I'm not missing next year for anything. And I've played some some great golf over the last week, and I feel like my game suits this golf course. And the way I play golf suits the way this golf course wants you to play golf. Um, so no, I just over the moon to, to finish the way I finished. If someone had given me tied 12 before I started, um, I'd have taken it. But then once I started getting into the battle, it was I could see how people were making scores. and um, Obviously got off to a poor start today, but I battled back the way I, I normally do. and um, Disappointing bogeys on, on 16 and, and 17, but huge birdie in the last so there you go that was Robert McIntyre and I think again refreshing a bit like Will Zalatoris you know he he was happy with his performance but he's also realised you know he left a few shots out there hadn't he and I think inside he felt like he could do quite a lot better yeah it did sound like it it sounded like he um, <laughs> he's a bit disappointed he didn't go home with a green jacket but uh, that just seems like the kind of guy he is he's a, a real competitor and uh, 
you'd have to say with that attitude, the sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the last bit to touch on from the Masters is uh, a couple of things we're going to talk about. Firstly, the big names that Mr. Cut, Rory, DJ, Kepka. Um, Rory game was all over the shop, wasn't it? Absolutely dreadful, yeah. A bit like the players, wasn't it, where he just seemed completely out of sorts. Yeah, I mean, we all said last week, didn't we, that we, we don't really see any chance of him winning. But, um, yeah, I was getting a bit sad on Friday, actually. I think I even did a tweet on Friday where it's just like, I'm loving the Masters, but just a bit down not seeing Macro make the cut because um, as great as golf is and um, Masters like that, it it's always missing when Rory's not there and Rory's not firing because... Um, aside from Tiger Woods, he is golf's figurehead. He's um, the most entertaining player to watch, and just really sad seeing him where he is at the moment. To be honest, as a big fan, um, yeah, hopefully the, the work he's doing with Pete Cowan can um, get him back to where he wants to be. Because yeah, it's not going to take much really, because he's such a talented player. But yeah, I was just really sad to see it, what was his first Masters miscut since 2010. And there was it was strange, wasn't it, that um, there was a lot of big names who were missing over the weekend, and it did take a little bit of the shine off um, the tournament. So Rory, rounds of seventy six and seventy four, missed the cut, and only one shot better than him were Kepka, obviously coming back from that knee injury. I think fair play to Kepka for, for even playing. You could see that sometimes he was he was struggling with that knee a bit, but I think. The good, I think Kepka's probably in a more positive frame of mind because he was actually able to get it round, wasn't he? Um, with you know, pretty much on one leg. But DJ shot the same as Kepka, and DJ was completely out of sorts from the first shot. He, you could tell, I think he, the pressures of that week and being defending champion actually really did take his toll. So DJ wasn't there. Westwood had been playing so well, fell away, missed a cut by a couple of shots, and then even Sergio, um, who again I think we thought might have a good week, missed the cut by one. So. Um, do you think it's, it was just too much pressure on the guys? Um, do they f- fail to prepare properly? What, is, what do you think was the issue? Uh, no, I just don't think they played well enough. I think that's all it is. Golf is such an up-and-down sport, and it's so difficult to be consistent week in, week out, and I think that's all it is. Um, yeah, Westwood's probably a bit tired as well because he's had such a good run, and you think how how quick time goes in golf. Like a month ago, Lee Westwood, we were saying, cool, he's basically the best player in the world right now, isn't he? And, and now you're sort of not even thinking about him. So uh, same with DJ as well. Six months ago, it was like, wow, this guy is going to be the, you know, the, the most dominant player for the next few years. And then he goes and misses the very next major cut. So it's just ebbs and flows, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just looking at the people that missed a cut as well. Patrick Canley shot 79-73. He- <laughs> You know, he was well fancied. I think, didn't Nick pick him last week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he also picked DJ, didn't he? He said, uh, there's no way I can look past DJ. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure to remind him of that. Jason Day, tied with Ian Woosnam, 77-76. You know, there's some big names you had, you had issues. And, yeah, well, I think there's a lot of people's games in slightly strange places at the moment. Francesco Molinari, I was really hoping Francesco Molinari we were going to come, I was going to be able to talk about a, a big revival of his and he did make the cut 74 73 he made it on the line they shot 69 on saturday i was like oh yes go on frankie you're gonna you're gonna have a good uh a good weekend he shot 81 yesterday so he's, yeah so he's you know he's someone else that's going to really need to 
so, you know, we're, we're hoping he's going to be be coming back and putting a bit of a run to try and make the Ryder Cup team. But it's obvious that his game's still, um, he's still recovering from everything that he's been through. So, um, yeah, it's it was, I thought, a fantastic, um, fantastic week. Some of the things which maybe took the shine off it a bit, TV coverage. Now, Elliot, I know you've got a bee in your bonnet, particularly about the TV coverage. Uh, full life coverage, not restarting really till uh, 3 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. UK time on the first three days. And it means you actually miss an awful lot of the golf, don't you? Yeah, a colleague of ours was saying, wasn't he, um, that it feels like you're just kind of watching the back end of the coverage or like the day's all, almost gone. And I think that's absolutely right. For example, on Saturday, uh, yeah, the main live coverage started about 20 minutes after the first group had gone out. And you just think the Masters is it's moving with the time so well. It's got the best app. It's got the best viewing experience online. But they're forgetting about the TV viewers. And I think, I don't know, 80, 90% of people who watch the Masters watch it on an actual TV. And it just seems so wrong that the first major of the year is going on and, and Sky Sports or whatever in the US is, is showing like reruns of last year and stuff. And it's just, you know, it doesn't need to be all this mystique or whatever it is. I don't really get the reason for it. But as a fan, it's really frustrating. And on a Thursday of Masters Week or a Sunday of Masters Week, as soon as the first tee shot struck, you just want to sit in front of the sofa all day and digest it all. And you just kind of have to sort of go online and watch a few holes here on your iPad or whatever. And, and um, yeah, like I know we've always said this, but I think now is the time. It's 2021. It's going to be 2022 next year. Come on, Augusta National. Just give us what we want. And that is absolutely superb Masters coverage on TV. Yeah, I think, I, I, well, I think you, you're, there's a lot of people who, who will agree with you absolutely on this. And that is the most, the most frustrating thing is they do things so well. And the app is brilliant. I mean, you can watch every shot. I can go yeah. back and watch every shot now that every, every player has played on any hole. I can go and watch it. It's amazing. It's on, it's on demand. It's just fantastic. Um, but you have to work at it. You know, you have to you have to do the work to find the shots or to follow the people that you want to. And actually, sometimes you want to be presented with the coverage. You know, people get paid to present the coverage in front of your eyes. Um, that's the joy of TV. So instead of having to go and search for yourself, you can just sit down with a cup of tea or beer or whatever it is and enjoy it. And the first two days, Thursday, Friday, I don't have so much of an issue because the feature groups, when there's six players playing at a time, actually, you do get to see quite a lot of golf. You don't get to see everything. but um, you know, we saw was Justin Rose the feature groups on that on Thursday. I think he was, wasn't he? Uh, maybe on Friday. But even with that, though, I um, am a Virgin TV subscriber, so I don't really get the red button for some reason. But for you, I know you're a Skype customer, and like it's on the red button. I don't even know if it's in HD. And it's like just put it on the main channel. It's like you don't really want to be watching stuff on the red button when it's not in HD. When it should just all be there front and centre for you. And, and that's featured groups. It's, that's not even the main coverage. I th- it's, it, that is another fair point about different TV providers. Sky did actually have featured groups on the main channel, just so you know, on the Thursday. Okay, Friday. fair enough. But um, but no, I think Saturday was the one that was really frustrating. A lot of people go, why, why is there no golf on? And it also, the, 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 the tea times, for some reason, on Sunday, started 20 minutes later than Saturday. 
So we got much more coverage um, on Sunday anyway. Also, it didn't help there's that an hour rain break as well. But I don't understand why they'd move the tea times up on Sunday because usually you have extra time at the end just in case there's a playoff or something like that. So it was a bit frustrating. Saturday in particular was very frustrating. And where are, Mar- are Augusta going to change it? I don't know. Maybe they can um, look at whether they continue to do feature groups or or they expand the feature groups um, uh, coverage that they do. So it's more more groups. I don't know. But um, it, it is it is particularly frustrating on a Saturday when you've got feature groups of people who are not involved in the golf tournament. Uh, really, they're way down the field and you're just watching them play around a golf, really. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who will completely agree with you, Elliot. And I think I'm probably one of them. Although I do love everything else that Augusta do, so uh, it's hard for me to uh, slag them off at all, really. And what I think the last thing we'll say about the Masters was, I thought the course looked absolutely incredible. The azaleas were in full bloom. I can't remember them ever looking quite so amazing. All the flowers out. I think the last time there was an April uh, Masters, I think they all bloomed too early, so that all the bushes were just green. So I just thought the course was in the best condition I think I've ever seen it. And we've got a, we've got a whole year to wait now, haven't we, Elliot? How are we going to survive? <laughs> yeah, I know. Got a lot to come up though. Um, the Open Championship, which I can't wait for, and we're going to actually see that from six a.m. every morning. So the coverage will be incredible of that. Um, and then yeah, we've got the Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, all the other majors, and uh, yeah, the anticipation is going to build, isn't it? Yep. And Olympics, we've already mentioned. And even, you know, we might even be at the Open, Elliot. Can you imagine that? We might actually be able to go and meet each other and actually go and watch some actual golf. Yeah, you could, uh, you could do your taste test and, and try the burger, the pizza, the fish and chips, all that <laughs> malarkey again. Absolutely. That, I can't wait for that. And it's in St. George's. It, you know, it's it's in Kent. You know, I can drive there in an hour and 20. So, uh, yeah, let's hope so. That would be That would be brilliant. So before we finish talking about the Masters, uh, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist. The success story of the week for Titleist was no doubt from tournament debutant and brand ambassador Will Zalatoris. Not only did he trust 13 Titleist clubs, including the new TSI 3 driver, T100 irons and Vokey SM8 wedges, but he also had a Pro V1 golf ball in play, resulting in him being the only player to post all four rounds under par or Augusta National last week. And with his solo second finish, he achieved the best finish by a Masters rookie since 1982. Salatoris was also second in greens in regulation and led the field in par four scoring, continuing the kind of consistency that has seen him tie for the most top 10 finishes, 16, by any player across the worldwide professional tour since the beginning of 2020. To find out more about every Titleist brand ambassador and the equipment they use, head to titleist.co.uk. So it's been a bumper week on the podcast but we have two tournaments this week the rbc heritage and austrian open um so very quickly elliot let's talk about the rbc heritage quite a strong field in in play yeah i believe it's only uh two or three hours away from augusta i could be completely wrong but i know it's kind of down in that part of the world along the coast so um yeah a lot of people made the trip rbc ambassador dustin johnson headlines the field so uh, he's had a bit of success there actually at harbour town before don't think he's won it, but yeah, it's always a good event. It's got a, a lovely course there. I really like the tree-lined holes, and then uh, it sort of opens out towards the back. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Very strong field, actually. Yeah, you're right. Anyone catch your eye? Uh, my first 
point of call was Satoshi Kodera. We've seen a lot of success from uh, Japanese golfers the last couple of weeks, and uh, he has actually won this tournament before. So, um, yeah, I'd go for him. And also, somebody who I had money on last week as well was Siwoo Kim, who finished second out of my eight players that I backed. So, um, clearly playing pretty well. And I think he may have actually been the guy who Kadera defeated in a playoff. So, yeah, I'd go for those two. Let's hope that Siwoo Kim um, doesn't try and... Do you think he's going to actually try and putt the putter? Oh, God, yeah, that was hilarious, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, that was my highlight of Saturday, was Siwoo uh, <laughs> Kim losing the plot and breaking his putter and then actually putting very well with his three-word. And every time, he's just getting more and more angry. But he's still playing yeah. very well. I was like, I really like this guy. <laughs> he's really entertaining. He's a very good golfer. So um, I think we'll all hope that he has a good week. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of Englishmen, Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood. I think they're going to do quite well. Fleetwood, it's time that he uh, got in the winner's circle, isn't it? And um, I think this is the kind of course that, that um, usually suits good ball strikers. So um, I think he could do very well. And Fitzpatrick's been playing very, very solid golf of late. So um, they're a couple of guys to look out for. And then on the European Tour, there's the Austrian Open as well, which also has a reasonably strong field as well, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, strong, perhaps. Maybe pretty average, I would say. Yeah, it's good to see the European Tour back, though. Bit of a shame that Bernd Fiesberg isn't playing, but I guess it's the week after the Masters, isn't it? So um, he's not going to tee it up in his National Open there. But uh, someone who is, is Matthias Schwab, and he's still yet to win on the European Tour. So that'd be a massive victory for him. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's very tricky for Wiesberg. I don't know what actually if he needs to quarantine as well. I'm not sure what the uh, the rules yeah, are. Probably. Um, but I, th- yeah, I think it's I think you're being a bit harsh. I think you know Sam Horsfield's playing hard. Justin Harding, Thomas Detry, Kitty Armour, Hogard, Kaima, Luton. I God, think yeah, that, apology. That yeah, you're right. That is absolutely stacked. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really a pretty pretty strong European tour event and some good players in there. I'm I, I'm a big Sam Horsfield fan. I think he's a spectacularly good golfer um bit unlucky to miss out a couple of weeks ago so i, th- I think he, he's someone to look out for you get him about 14 to 1 and uh the hogard rasmus hogard he played so well last year i think he's someone else who i think could have a very good summer so check him out and we've got breaking news haven't we we've got a new tipster who will be joining the golf monthly team um uh, this will all be happening and breaking overnight, which is Monday, if you're at the day after Augusta. So check out the Golf Monthly website for some new tips from a new tipster, um, someone who is a huge name in the golf betting tips uh, industry and um, should be giving some great advice, much better advice than me and Elliot. So um, do uh, check out the website, golfmonthly.com, for those details or follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Elliot, is it time for us to go and have a nap somewhere or something like that? Go and, or have another coffee? Yeah, I think so. Exactly. It's been a hell of a week, been a very long week, very enjoyable. Um, really enjoyed Augusta again. As you say, we've got loads of other great golf tournaments coming up right around the corner. So do keep tuning in to the Clubhouse podcast. We'll be here every week and including next week. So until then, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you then.